You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey, it's episode 193 of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast, and today we are brought to you by our delightful and generous Patreon patrons. Thank you very much. And also, GameMath.eu supports this show, and they have for two or three years now. So thank you to GameMath.eu as well. Tonight we're discussing a lot of different things. First off, the curse of skirmish war games. What is that entailing? Well, you know what? Just listen to the segment, okay? Could you do that for me? Just listen to this. Oh my God. You guys want me to explain everything. 35 seconds into this and I'm already in an argument with my listeners. I apologize. I'm drunk. Anyway, we're talking about... We're talking about <laughs> I, I, I sidetracked myself. Um, we also have a letter from Grendel rebuking everything that we said in our 10th edition wish list. So... Let's see what he has to say. He sounds quite angry, so I'm excited to cover that with you. Also, the uh, floating boat dude for Night Haunt, whatever that is, that was a want that or want that not, and whether or not I think it's worth the price, and is it a cool model, more importantly. So, um, this week, I had a pretty... I'm going to come out and say it, a pretty awful game of Warhammer. We played Age of Sigmar, me and my friend James... And we were playing against our friend TJ, and it wasn't TJ's fault. It wasn't anything like that. Um, I could not roll. Just, I just couldn't. I just could not roll. And I was playing my Flesh Eater Quartz, and James had his Idonath Deepkin versus TJ's uh, Vampire Counts. I forget what they're called now, but that army. And, like, for instance, I rolled nine three-ups to hit this person. Nine three-ups. And I rolled eight ones and twos. Think about that for a second. That is ridiculous. I could not make a save. And meanwhile, TJ, the the dumb bastard, he was saving sixes. His his deathless save, he was saving left and right. I mean, we didn't even have to look at the dice. He could roll 45 six ups and he'd make 45 six ups. Like he just he and I should have probably checked his dice because, you know, no one rolls that many six ups, TJ, okay? But um I just once again, this is the third Warhammer game in a row over the last couple months, a uh, couple weeks, because I only play once a week or so this time of year because I'm so busy. And this is the third consecutive game where I'm just like, oh, OK, this is turn one or two. I'm rolling god awful. I'm getting my butt handed to me. Um, I'm just going to get spanked. And I sit there for several hours and let him wallop on me. So I was thinking, well, at least I have James on my side, right? James is going to roll better. At least he can hopefully hold our end of the game up because I am doing nothing. And then James comes in from reserve and does nothing. I mean, he's shooting all of his bow and arrow people and I I couldn't kill his necromancer. Do Do you realize how frustrating not being able to kill a necromancer is, okay? They have like five wounds and a six up save. That's it. A t shirt save. And I took him down to um, one hit point. And I activated again and did no damage to him or he saved it, whatever. And then he healed himself. And then I got him down to one hit point again. And then James shot at him with a whole unit and did nothing to him. And that dumb bastard survived the entire game with one hit point. 
there was another character running around with one hit point. I just, just couldn't kill him. Just, oh, super frustrating. So I was eyeing the brutality game across the room and I'm like, hmm, that'd be a lot more fun to play, but whatever. It's not, it's not Warhammer's fault and it's not TJ's fault. It's just, and James was rolling just atrocious. Every spell he tried to do, he couldn't do. And it's just good God. Oh, that is, that is rough. Um, so that is how my Warhammer game went. I've been stomped three times in a row now, and it's all been because of horrible rolling. I don't know what I'm doing in my personal life to warrant this, but this, that's what's happening. I've been working a lot on Brutal Space, um, that spaceship game for brutality, and that's really coming along. I've made several breakthroughs, aha moments, uh, moments things like that, where um, I'm really struggling with this thing, and I'm like, oh, how do I adapt it? And then click, and it works. So... Um, very excited about that, filling out all the lore for all the different factions. It's so much fun. That's that's a fun part of it. And what else? That's about it, I believe. Um, just working every single day again. So it's it's that time of year already. Um, I feel like I am missing something. We've had some reviews on YouTube over Brutality. And hmm, I guess that's it. So let's get on with the rest of the show. And you know what's going to happen is after I publish this, for you to listen to i'm gonna think of what else i had to say but at the time for the time being i have no idea oh wait i just thought of it uh before i (laughs) i made this put all this together um i was feeling really bummed out because lately except for my one brutality game i had last week the campaign game i've been really bummed out because my war gaming has not been fulfilling at all and i've just oh just not feeling it and work stressful and all that And then I went and I spent like an hour and a half in my gaming area and I was kit bashing Star Trek warbands from the different races, Cardassian, um, Ferengi, Romulan, Klingon, Dominion, all that. And I felt, I'm not lying to you, this is, this might sound dramatic. I felt like I had been to therapy after an hour and a half of chilling out there, my girl's were, were with me and they're playing with toys or whatever. They, they play with all my terrain and they play with my hair clicks and stuff. And, um, just being out there for like an hour and a half. And I felt so much at peace with the world. And that still has stuck with me despite my gaming night kind of sucking. Um, this has completely uplifted me. So what I had to do was I took Star Trek hero clicks and I've been kit bashing them. I've made all the uh, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, and TNG crews, and then I've made a Klingon, Romulan, Cardassian, uh, Ferengi, bunch others. A- anyway, I have seven races, or seven factions in total, and of course, for Brutality, I'm trying to make them like, oh, the Klingons would be more melee, you know, they wouldn't be, they'd be melee and fast, because they like aggressiveness. Um, the Ferengi would be mostly fast and support because they're not real shooty and they're not real combat, that sort of thing. So, and then coming up with, um, Star Trek never really discussed like actual battle. They never really discussed that. You never really see the troops in enterprise. You do see the Makos, which is basically space Marines or Marines, you know, that board a vessel, not space Marines. And that was pretty cool. But other than that, you never see the actual troops of mass warfare with Star Trek. So there really is no telling like what kind of cannons they have. Do they have weapons platforms? Do they have this or that? So I've been able to make that up. And anyway, that made me feel so much better. So now you can get on with the rest of the show. 
Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. And this week on the Tesseract mailbox, we have an email from one of our Patreon patrons. His name is Grendel, and he writes, Hail, O glorious leader, I thought I would throw together some random thoughts that came to mind while I was listening to this week's podcast. Now, this was from six days ago, so it should have been from the last podcast, which was our wish listing for 10th edition. First, I agree that the Nomads are cool, and the new box set is a want... But the new box set is a want that not. If I had a friend who wanted the terrain and Orlocks, I would have split it, but since I don't, I just bought a box of each of the Nomad kits. They are cool, and if I ever play a skirmish game, fat chance, I will have some guys to use it. Yeah, Grendel and I have discussed before, he truly hates skirmish games, which is kind of ironic given the main topic of this episode, but let's go with it. Second, I kind of agree with Andrew about you being a grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> FAQ, Zerata's mission books, and point updates are a way to keep the game competitive. If you're playing a fun game with your buddies, then who cares about the latest point costs? If you're in a tournament, then it is important to have the latest point costs and rules. These are there to try to balance the game and not make it easy for one army to roll the tournament. Now, GW does tend to overcorrect and create different monsters, but they are trying. They don't have enough playtesters to test out these changes. It is sad that they instead turn to knee-jerk reactions for their balancing tool. I mean, honestly, Grendel, there's nothing I can argue against what you're saying. Obviously, the tournament scene, you do want it to be evolving, you do want it to stay fresh, you do want it to have some form of correction. Like when, like you said, when there's an army that's steamrolling everybody, you really should have some sort of correction. So I get that. But my problem is exactly what you're saying, the knee-jerk reactions. It's like they just react aggressively to something and just, oh, here's the changes. And a lot of times it's way overboard. Where it needs to be a tweak, it isn't. And that's one of my key complaints about GW for a long time, is that they don't seem to have a lot of moderation. They don't, they don't moderate things very well. Grendel goes on to write, Next, GW used to make PDF versions of their codex, but people would share them on the net, and GW lost money. GW does not like to lose money, so the pirates ruined it for those of us who purchased the digital codex. Well, I guess that makes sense, which is also a reason why they should put the rules in their list builder, and then it's not just like a straight-up PDF you're getting. It's, it's encoded so it can only be used in their app, which I think is how they do it anyway. Speaking of digital content, the app they made, while not great and could greatly be improved, does have rules like data sheets, relics, warlord traits, etc. I have not found a rule I was looking for that was in the codex, but not the app. It is clunky to use, but it is not worthless. Speaking of the app, I use it more often than Battlescribe. I have been burned a few times by Battlescribe not working correctly. I stopped using it once I got the app. I agree the app is bad, but it is better than the alternative. Okay, so he's defending the, the app, and I have not used it, so it's a little hard for me to say one way or the other how terrible it is. I've just heard that it's terrible. Grendel writes, A tier system might be cool, but who is going to work out the values for all the tiers? Right now, GW only places band-aids when they try to find the right balance. A tier system would kill a horde army. When using 60 or 90 boys or gaunts, those extra points will build up quickly. It is not so bad when you have to choose from 5 or 10 guys. I understand some people don't like to play Horde Armies, but should you punish those of us that do? Well, I mean, that, that argument, Grendel, is the same argument against anything else. Like, 
you say how would who would balance that? Well, GW should be balancing it. That's the whole reason. That's what we're talking about right now is how they balance things and they change points. Well, if they did a tier system, you know, we said um, that it would be like ten percent for every additional unit, right? It may not necessarily be ten percent. It that's just a thing we kind of threw out there, and. Obviously, if they encourage you to play hordes, it might be a 2% increase, or it might be whatever they deem is the synergistic cost of having more than one unit. But I still stand by the tier system. I really do think that, you know, one squad is at the base cost, the next squad is at a slightly higher, the next one is a slightly higher. I do stand by that, and I wish they would do it. And if we're using Battle Scribe or whatever anyway, it's really not going to be that big of a deal. But... Um, you're just assuming that they all get a 10% increase, regardless of how many models are on the unit. And I'm not saying that. It, obviously, it would have to be different. Um, something like Custodes might be 15%. I'm just throwing out numbers. Uh, you'd have to balance it. But Games Workshop would have to balance it. So I'm not trying to punish the Horde players. I agree that a balanced game would have all of its rules dropped at the same time. This is the best scenario for the player. If that happens, what will make the player excited the next month about the game? The current release schedule trickles out new stuff. These monthly releases are better than the last month most of the time to try to keep us hooked and engaged. This strategy also keeps the competitive people hopping from shiny to shiny and keeps the money flowing. Having the, those index armies was nice, but it was rather boring. I remember that War Machine released the rules for their armies altogether, but then trickled out units a few times a year. If you were lucky, you got a good unit. If not, oh well, wait till next year. It was very annoying. Yeah, I agree with you that, and we even said that in the interview with a listener, that that's probably why they do trickle it out. It's just, it doesn't seem like the rules are being made at the same time. You know, with the same reference of mind, if you go, oh, I gave this guy something good, well, I'll give this guy something good, etc. You, if you're building it all at the same time, you can balance everything together. Whereas if you're doing it, oh, building, 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 it's like building a pile of dirt or a pyramid. It gets higher and higher and higher and more and more excessive. That's all we were saying about that. Um, and there's something you kind of hit on the head that I find incredibly sad that we're such ravenous consumers that the only way you stay, and I'm not saying you, Grendel, I'm just saying hypothetically, someone would stay interested in this game as long as GW keeps producing new stuff, like, or constantly errata or FAQing or changing points. And this may be the case, but that saddens me that our attention span as consumers is so, like, it's like we're the nematodes from SpongeBob. We just go from thing to thing and just consume it mindlessly and there's no thought given or I don't know. That just that kind of unsettles me, Grendel. And you may very well be right. This is what keeps people engaged. But what happened before, you know, we still had tournaments. We still had players and all of that before they went on this ridiculous development cycle or production cycle. So I'm having my reservations about what you're saying being true, although it definitely has an impact, and maybe with this TikTok society we have, that maybe the people do need the keys jangled every five seconds or they'll lose interest. God knows they wouldn't lose interest and go read a book. Anyway, he keeps writing. I really think that 40k should be more like playing Rock, Paper, Scissors, Lizard, Spock, and maybe some other things thrown in there. There should be counters to every army and maybe a hard counter as well. 
The problem arises when a new codex comes out without a counter, then they need to bring out a counter for it, but then that would need a counter. I don't envy the GW team that has to try to balance the system while trying to make something exciting and not completely ignoring the existing player. Okay, so my brain's run out of steam. Sorry about the rant. I just thought I would point out a different angle. I know there was something I wanted to say about the whole strength, toughness, save, and vulnerable, feel no pain fiasco. This is just a mess and needs to be worked, but I'm not sure how. Looking forward to the next podcast, Grendel. P.S. I totally agree the Universal Special Rules were the best. Bring them back. Bring them back. So I think inevitably what you're saying is I'm not GW's main demographic, right? And that's basically what I've come to the conclusion of. I am not their demographic. And you know what? That's fine. I still enjoy the game and I'm going to stay with it. And I don't have to be their main demographic. I play it to have fun. And as long as I'm having fun, then that's all that matters to me. Um, it's not going to keep me from eye rolling. You know, it's kind of like, let's, let's do a little metaphor here for the kids at home. It's like those people on their motorcycles that pull up at the stoplight and they've got all of their gear on and their chaps and their boots and their sunglasses and their bandana. Meanwhile, they're probably like an accountant or they work at McDonald's or something. They've got some like normal job. And, but when they dress up in all this stuff, now they're this new character, this new persona, and then they sit there with their obnoxiously loud motorcycle, and then, inexplicably, they decide to listen to the radio while they're on a a motorcycle, and then they turn their radio up way loud, where you can hear them from a mile away, because they gotta turn the volume up really high to beat the sound of their very loud motorcycle. And the whole time you're sitting at the stoplight and you're going, wow, I can't hear my radio inside my car because this douchebag over here is so damn loud with A, his exhaust, and B, his radio. Now, it doesn't mean that I think people shouldn't like doing that. It doesn't mean that I say, oh, make a little banning motorcycles and bandanas. I'm not saying that. I'm not even banning radios on motorcycles. But it's not going to keep me from rolling my eyes when I see this type of behavior, just like I would never ban competitive players from wanting this constant key jangling, but it's not going to prevent me from going, wow, that's really obnoxious, and it's just not my cup of tea. So hopefully that got the point across. Anyway, thank you for rating Grendel. I appreciate it. It's been a while since we heard from you, so uh, don't be a stranger. Want that, or want that not? Well, of course, this is Want That or Want That Not, and today we're covering an Aegis Sigmar model. He's new for Nighthaunt, and he is a character. His name is Alrock the Drowner. Alrock? Alrock? I have no idea how to pronounce that. Alrock. Who the hell puts a W next to an L like that? All rock, the drowner. And he's basically on a half broken boat. Like he's on the uh, bow of a boat and he's got a paddle. And I'm just going to come out right now and say it. I love everything about this bottle. Okay. So I'm going to be biased here, but he, (laughs) he's the drowner. So apparently he's nautically themed and he's this real hunched over like skeleton, half ghost, half skeleton thing. He's way hunched over and he's got uh, like bars on his back almost like he had some sort of medical brace or something and he's got this giant oar and his boat is floating and he's only standing on the bow of it and that's all that exists of the boat it's about 
maybe one third or a quarter of the size the boat should probably be as far as the length. And of course, there's holes in it and all that. It would be uh, truly an, a terrible boat if you're actually using it for the water. But luckily for this guy, he floats. He's got a skeleton for a head. He's got some hair. There's, I like this new motif they're doing with like Lady Oleander and all that, where they have the roses. So he's got vines and roses down his oar, which is pretty cool. And what's holding him aloft is actually all of these ghosts and spirits coming out of the grave. And they're like trying to get up on his boat and they all have a coin. They have a coin in their hand. That is freaking awesome. I just, man, I love everything about this. He's got a lantern hanging over him. He's very creepy looking. He's $50. And to be honest with you, I'm not seeing that as a terrible price for this. He looks to be, it's hard to say what size base he's on. He looks to be on a 60 mil base or maybe a little bigger. Um, you know, why am I even, why am I even guessing at that, right? I should just look at the description. He comes with an 80 mil base. So I was correct. 60 mil or bigger. So it's an 80 mil base, and um, just listen to this. In his mortal life, oh, <laughs> promised aid and safe transport to the desperate travelers, only to send his victims to a grisly death in the briny deeps. When Allah's <laughs> spirit made its way to Nagash, the reward for his treachery was an eternity of service. Now the sinister boatman dredges up wayward souls to bolster the Nighthaunt hosts and ferries them through the ethereal plane to wherever they will cause the most terror. That's pretty cool. This multi-part plastic kit is one is one all of the drowner, a unique hero and a totem for Nighthaunt ar armies, perpetuating propelling his odious decaying skiff with a deadwood oar. This ghastly figure offers a tremendous boost to his army's mobility by delivering units across the battlefield. That's pretty cool. I really know nothing of his rules, so this was the first I've been hearing about it, but He's pretty freaking awesome. Like that is that is really really cool. So, I'm to be honest, I'm not going to hide it in any way. I'm definitely buying this. Like for sure. 50 bucks. Here, take my 50 bucks. This is a really cool model. And this is where I think GW really excels when they do things that are cool. Sometimes their models miss the mark or whatever. Sometimes they're a little generic, but Age of Sigmar has such a flair in its models that 40k doesn't often have. Sometimes 40k does, but 40k is, I hate to say it, maybe slightly less fantastical or slightly more realistic, if that's even possible. But Age of Sigmar has some fantastic sculpts, and I love everything about this. By the way, he's also chained to the oar, and he's chained to the boat, and he's chained to the mast. It's just, it's great. I've got nothing bad to say about this at all. So, it is definitely a want that or want that not for me. And the best touch for me, the, the best touch for this whole model is that the, each one of them is holding a coin. They're going to pay for their passage. I don't know why that tickles me the way it does, but that's awesome. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey, welcome to Real Talk with the Pimcron, and tonight we're going to discuss the problem with skirmish games. And of course, I'm mostly talking about my own skirmish game, Brutality Skirmish War Game, and this is not a plug for that or anything like that, but me and a couple of my friends have noticed an impact on us from playing Brutality compared to playing Warhammer. And honestly, it's somewhat detrimental. It's kind of a curse of skirmish gaming. 
So what am I talking about? There are many different facets to this, but basically, overall, we have been enjoying brutality a lot more than Warhammer recently, and for many, many reasons, this goes through all stratum of the hobby and everything else. So I have one friend, Matt, who has not played Warhammer. Now, he played Warhammer for 15 years or something prior to last year, and all of a sudden, he got bitten by brutality, and that's all he's played for the last year. And, geez, it's almost June, so year and a half, roughly. And he tried to get back into Gene Steeler Cult when the book dropped. And he's looking through the book, and it's super complex. And he's just like, oh, man, this is too much to remember. I don't, I don't care. And that is number one. Skirmish gaming and brutality is much simpler than Games Workshop, and all the errata, and all the FAQ, and all the stuff that I constantly bemoan about Games Workshop, you don't have with most skirmish games. Like, most of the time, they are pretty well thought out, and I think there's a reason for that. The reason is, is that skirmish games are often on a razor's edge. Your win-loss, every decision is very, very important. There's less fluff, there's less uh, fat to cut through, and Larger scale war games a lot of times have more bloat and, oh, so what, you killed one unit? Oh, well, I've got 12 more units with 300 more models, you know? But if you lost one of my people in Brutality out of five, well, crap, I just lost 20% of my warband. So they're basically required to be better balanced coming out of the gate than war games or the mass battle war games. And that is one thing that I like about skirmish games a lot more than Warhammer is that there's no nonsense. They publish the rules or I publish the rules or whoever. And because there's lots of good skirmish games out there and they publish the rules and they may issue an FAQ or an errata, but it's not this constant churning of content that Games Workshop has. It's not an endless thing of new books and new this and new that to keep up with. Um, And a lot of skirmish games, they do have a meta. Marvel Crisis Protocol does have a meta. Um, even Heraclix obviously has a meta, things like that. Um, Brutality doesn't have much of a meta because I've intentionally added counters to basically anything you want to do. So there's, there are things that are good, but there's things that will kill it as well. So it's kind of, I don't know, there's not much meta for Brutality. Um, there could be trends, but it's not really meta. But the point is, is that it's so much simpler. You, you plop your five models down and then you play the game. That that's basically it for any for nearly any skirmish game. Now, the simplicity is one big selling point for a lot of people, including myself. You don't have to read through hundreds and hundreds of pages or anything like that. Also, from the hobby aspect of it, I have found myself being far more interested in painting a new warband for brutality. And Matt also chimes in and says the same thing because each model is unique, you know, and you also are more connected to a warband in a skirmish game because you typically will create a backstory for them. Each character you handpicked to be the leader, to be the bruiser, to be the whatever, and they all have attitude and character. If it's in a lot of different skirmish games, they will tell you what the character is. Oh, here's their backstory. Here's they act. You know, here's how they act, blah, blah, blah. And you get to know the characters much better than you ever do Space Marine number 54 in squad number five. You know, it's just, you just don't get to know them as well. So that connection is there, but also the hobby connection. You can put a lot more effort in 
your models when you're painting and actually try to make them look really good because each one of them is a unique model. Unlike Space Marine number 54 and Squad number 5, because I think it's pretty much well known that everybody kind of just quick paints all their troops and then they might spend more time on either monsters or maybe vehicles or more maybe characters. But your rank and file guys kind of just get dry brushed and, and whatever because it doesn't really matter. You've seen them in mass, right? But skirmish games, every miniature matters. Every miniature can be painted in some unique way and you can test different art skills or basing skills or whatever because each one of them is kind of a snowflake, is a unique creature. Um, and you, I find that they mean a lot more to you, in the long run at least. And being that they are unique, they're way more fun to paint. You know, if you're playing a skirmish game, more than likely you have one of each character or whatever. So, oh, I'm going to paint character A, and when I'm done that, guess what? I move on to character B, who does not look like character A necessarily. And even if they have the same uniform, then they have different weapons, or they have different skin, maybe they're an alien or something. Um, there's a lot more variation in that, versus batch painting space marine number 54 in unit number five you know it's like i just painted all these people and they're all identical that will end up crossing your eye at the end of the day if you've been doing that for hours and hours and um so that's another reason why skirmish games have kind of this curse is because the games are simple and you are more connected to your models, and they're all fun to paint because you don't get bored painting the same model over and over and over. Now, I already mentioned the knife's edge of skirmish games, and this might be the part that a lot of you, I think this is the part that Grendel doesn't like about skirmish games, is how one bad dice roll can really screw you. Now, that is true, that that is a, a problem for skirmish games versus um, mass battle games, because mass battle games, you might be rolling 70 dice, and they kind of typically average out, right? But skirmish games are much higher stakes, and personally, that is the thing that I like about them. I like that, okay, as long as there's verticality in the rules, I'm going to say, okay? So if there's, like, brutality has a lot of verticality. Some skirmish games, not so much. Um, Heroclix would be an example, and they're not quite a skirmish game, but they basically are. Heroclix would be an example of a game that has pretty much no verticality in its rules. And what I mean by that is it's not that character A does X, Y, or Z while character B does something different. It's actually how you use character A. It's not just what they do, but how they are used. And that's why Brutality, I, I spent a ton of effort putting into, you know, there's rear arc bonuses, there's allies near the target bonuses, there's elevation bonuses, there's cover bonuses, there's there's a lot of things you can do. And while each role matters a heck of a lot more, you, if you play well and you strategize well, you can actually stack things, not guaranteed, but pretty much in your favor. Um, but it's always kind of like gambling in the way that, you know, gambling, if you're playing craps or whatever, there's that excitement of, oh my gosh, how's it going to go? You don't get so much that excitement when you're playing big groups like in Warhammer where you're rolling 70 dice. You're not, I mean, it's too many to pay attention to. You're like, oh, okay, let's just see what the average was. Whereas if you're rolling one dice, you're going to be like, oh man, I hope it's a four up or whatever. It's kind of like when your characters have an invulnerable save in Warhammer and you're going to die if you don't make this one roll. 
will extrapolate that excitement and that teeth clenching across the whole game, which would be a skirmish game. Every single role nearabout is very important. Another thing I like about skirmish games versus wargaming, mass battle wargaming, is that it's the I go, you go a lot of times. Brutalities like that and many other many others are where you stay engaged the entire time because you are activating a model every minute, every 30 seconds in some cases. So you you don't have time to go take a pee, go get a soda, come back, talk on the phone. Where Warhammer, you basically play your side and you can pretty much walk away during their movement and psychic phase. Like it's unless you're trying to deny or not or whatever, but you get my point. And that is much more engaging for me because I enjoy I go you go I go you go, which is also a whole nother host of strategy. Which model do I activate first? See, Warhammer has no urgency in what models activated first, unless you are overlapping fire and you want to make sure you're going to try and, you know, kill a unit with this certain weapon, but if that fails, then you've got another one lined up. Sure, but by and large, it kind of doesn't matter. Um, but the strategy of a skirmish war game where you're on that razor's edge of, oh my gosh, I got to activate the most effective or the most in danger model first before they can do stuff. So I really enjoy that. Um, and a lot of the effects and brutality actually carry over to the next, like powers and things that people use. They don't go away until that person activates again. So if you activate this guy and put up a barrier in the beginning of your turn and then wait until the end of your next turn, technically that power was in effect for two turns. So there's there's a lot more to it. Um, also, Warhammer tells you what stuff does. And there's not a lot of verticality in Warhammer either um, as far as stacking abilities and things like that. And I don't mean stacking abilities like, oh, they got to feel no pain, now it's a better feel no pain. I don't mean that. I mean, actually, such things as elevation, rear arc bonus, things like that, having allied units nearby, there is almost no stacking verticality in the use of those units. Now, they have abilities, but that's just GW arbitrarily telling you, oh, it does this, okay. Like, in most cases, you don't have to play it well in order to use it well. It's just, oh, this does this, okay. Like, it, it's much simpler. And another thing is shorter games. I love going to the gaming store and playing two or maybe three games of Brutality in a night compared to my one game of Warhammer. Now, I'm not hating on Warhammer, and obviously it has to be a longer game because it's mass battle, but that's actually pretty cool. Where Whether you're playing Magic, or that's also the allure of Magic or Heroclix and other shorter games, is that, you know, you might, oh man, I got really screwed in this game, but cool, I can play two, one or two more games tonight and maybe my luck will average out, you know? And the thing that's been happening to me lately is where I'm just getting screwed and I have to sit there for hours and just let this person pound on me knowing from turn one or two that I lost and just having to sit there because I don't want to be a bad sport. Um, skirmish games are over quite quick. They're very decisive and they're very brutal, at least brutality is. And... That way you know, okay, well, I might have to sit here for a half hour and get my butt handed to me if I'm rolling terrible or made bad choices or whatever, but it's not three hours for a war game. So that's another benefit of skirmish war games. And I guess what I'm saying is all of these things stacked up 
make skirmish wargaming kind of spoil the player because also there's cost involved in a skirmish war game. You know, your warband might be, let's say you're paying something that's high dollar, it's 40, 50 bucks for a warband, but then that's it. Like the, the barrier for entry is so low. And that's another reason why skirmish games are better than mass battle games is because you can play it for next to nothing versus needing to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars in mass battle games. But all in all, I guess it should not be a surprise that Brutality has been spoiling me, because when I set out to make it, I set it out to make the game that I wanted to play, my dream game. And that's what I did. So I guess it's no surprise that I would enjoy that a lot more than a game that doesn't seem like I'm its prime target audience and it doesn't really care that much about me. Um, <laughs> Warhammer doesn't care about me. No, it's just, I'm just stating facts here. I'm not really salty about it. So no, I'm not going to quit playing Warhammer or anything like that. I still enjoy playing Warhammer, but my friend Matt and I were discussing it and I've got other people uh, my friend Connor has quit playing Warhammer altogether. All he plays is Brutality. He comes in, every time he comes in, he wants to play Brutality. And part of me feels a little bad that I'm slowly cannibalizing people and converting them to Brutality, which, of course, I'm not purposely doing, but they like the game and they enjoy it, and they list the same things I list. It's it's cheaper, it's simpler, it's more concise, every role matters, fewer models, you can paint every single model and they're all unique, you put a narrative story to it, you make it your own. I mean, it's it's just... Everything about it is, I want to say better. Everything about skirmish gaming is just better than mass gaming. With the one exception that you're not mass wargaming, right? Mass wargaming, the reason why you want to have that whole battlefield full of models, you want to have units and units and 100 models per side, and you want to have this big Lord of the Rings style battle. And I do get that. I do get that. But other than that... I mean, really, all the negatives to Wargaming is just serving that one one positive of it being a mass battle. Now, of course, this is all in my perspective, but I do feel like I'm being spoiled, and it does slightly sour my experience with Warhammer, being that Brutality is exactly what I've always wanted in a game. And once again, I'm not trying to plug anything, I'm just being honest with you. Um... Now, you can tell me, write me in the email and say how wrong I am about all this stuff, and I'm sure Grendel will not agree with me because he hates skirmish games, but, you know, that's the way it is, and that is why many people, especially with this constant tidal wave of FAQs, errata, new new models, new books, yada yada, a lot of people in my gaming group are just slowly going just to brutality and not to Warhammer. And that's sad, because I don't want to lose Warhammer players, and honestly, every time Matt talks down about Warhammer or whatever, I try to discourage him from that. And he's just as exhausted by all this stuff as I am and many other people are, but I'm like, dude, you don't have to play that way. You don't have to play with stratagem if, if they bother you. You don't have to play with the new errata or the FAQ if you don't want to, which is what I'm not doing. Um, you don't have to... Now, of course, tournaments, like Grendel said, is a completely different thing, but just in fun play, as long as you're not being a, a cheesy hoe, then you're fine. But it, he still kind of lets it get in his head. And same thing with Connor. Connor kind of is like, uh, I don't feel like keeping up with all this. 
So hopefully we did not lose Warhammer players because I, I really want to just play a fun game of Warhammer with them, casual, have a good time, and hopefully I'll reignite the spark in them. But anyway, so that is the reason why Brutality Skirmish War game has spoiled me, and that is why a lot of people do prefer skirmish games over uh, Mass Battle. So thank you to all my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons, led by Mother Flippin' Mike in the UK, and I will see you next week. And thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show.